This podcast was recorded on May 18th, 2022. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and people outside the binary. Broken Class is back in session. I'm your discussion leader, Thomas Gradient Huda. I'm really pleased to be here uh, with a remote guest who is a friend of uh, Benny Cosmic, a recent guest on the show, an indigenous hip-hop artist. Benny Cosmic is a really wonderful guy and hooked me up with our uh, friend, the producer extraordinaire, joining me remotely, Cruiser Urameshi. How are you doing today, Cruiser? I'm doing good, Gradient. I'm excited to be here, man. I came across the show from Vinny, and I actually checked out a few of your episodes, and I'm like, oh, I would love to be on here. So I, I like the vibe of the show, so I rock with it, man. Dude, that actually means a lot to me right now. All right, guys. Great interview. You guys have a good day. I already got my props from Cruiser. Peace out. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me just start out then. You know, I'm going to have to ask you what's a controversial opinion that you have about anything. Where Kobe Bryant is the best basketball player of all time, and here's my case. Okay, people, like, people call call him, like I have a Michael, I have a Chicago Bulls beanie, and I don't have mm-hmm. no Kobe Bryant gear anymore. But my case for Kobe being the best is there's three things. One, yes, he won his first three peat with Shaq. Okay, there's that. But he won two more after that without Shaq, and you know he won with Gasol, who Gasol arguably doesn't get his respect as a basketball player especially among power forwards so that mm. being said kobe did another three-peat by himself which he led which no player ever done that's like michael jordan leading his three-peat without scotty pippen or dennis Rodman. now michael jordan did that there's no undefeated question he'd be the best player ever two kobe played against different eras and with everybody in their prime from jordan reggie miller <laughs> uh i'm LeBron. trying to think of more of those guards like now i'm talking about things like those 90 guards of the time before like mm-hmm. the LeBrons and stuff like that. Like he played against those Elka players, Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel, yada, yada, yada. And then mm-hmm. Vince Carter, T-Mac. And then he played against Braun, Melo, then Durant and Steph came in later, DeRozan. So he played literally everybody at their physical in their prom or at their best level before they enter their peak. So okay. and he gave everybody buckets. Like Kobe gave buckets. No one ever could say they locked down Kobe, but he gave everybody work. He dropped 55 on Jordan. Now you can say, where's this Jordan? But I say Kobe's the best player because it's like, who was able to do that? And then still win on top of that. I feel like he should have got at least three MVPs out of his career. But on all the players that, you know, that Kobe played against, all of them, even the best, like from Braun, Melo, Durant, Dirk, Tim Duncan, Chris Webber, Everybody, and these are all greats among their own leaderboards. They sure. all still said Kobe was the best. And then on top of that, you had Kobe's counterpart in LeBron, who was 1A, 1B. Most people say was the best player at the time. Like, who was right. Michael Jordan's? Who was the second best player when Michael Jordan played? It's so close. That's how mm. far the gap was. So it's like, how can, it's easy to say Michael Jordan's the best when it's like, yo, you're the only apple over here with a lot of oranges. But mm. they're just two good fruits, just as good. For each other that still competed and kobe competed in the west when the west was at an all-time high where the western conference from one through 11 was 50 games like all right all right it's it's a music and politics podcast let me speak you know let me jump in here all these great that's, sports that's my knowledge. Opinion, man. <laughs> i love it dude i love it 
Um, you can see I got Rasheed Wallace jersey behind me, man. Right. Yes, sir. But my man, my man gave your boy work, dude, in the 04 finals. <laughs> he did. That was an amazing thing to see. I mean, that was truly the most inspirational season for me in all the sports history, the 04 Pistons, because you had this ragtag group of guys. Uh, you got the Wallace brothers in there. Brothers, not really. But uh, Tayshawn right. Prince, the chase down block on Reggie Miller in the Eastern Big Conference shot. Finals. Ooh, Mr. Big Shot Billups. Ooh, Mr. Rip Hamilton with the mask. And right. even some good support on the bench from guys like Mehmet Okor, Lindsey Graham. Guys that – Lindsey Hunter. Guys that uh, – they had some really old guy. They had some guy in his forties, like someone, <laughs> some Campbell on that team. He still, he still put in buckets, you know. Right. And, and then the whole thing was just kind of that, that Detroit gritty Midwest ethic versus the big money and the big flash of L.A. and right. having they had the 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 duo Shaq and Kobe, and then they said they thought they could buy a championship by bringing in Gary Payton and Carl Malone, a couple future Agreed. Hall of Famers. Right. That was an amazing thing to watch, dude. Um, it was. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this much. I was working at a hotel, Valley River Inn, for not uh, for a while in 2021, and uh, a guy came in with a Kobe like uh, a Kobe hat and a Kobe T-shirt, and mm -hmm. I and I and I said, "Man, that's awesome!" So you think Kobe's the goat, huh? Or something like that. And I said, "So you, Kobe must be the goat, or, or Kobe is Kobe the goat, something like that." Mm -hmm. And he he goes uh, he goes. Man, Kobe ain't the goat. And I said, "Oh, I'm sorry. Is it LeBron or, or you think it must be LeBron or something?" And he was like, "I think LeBron came out your name way too quick, man." And I'm like, "Oh damn, <laughs> oh damn." And uh, I'm like, "Well, then who is it?" And he and he just looked at me like I'm a fucking idiot. And he said, "Kareem Abdul-Jabbar." <laughs> and uh, and that's who that's my dad true. always believed was the was the greatest because that unstoppable skyhook. The longevity in the in the game, like it doesn't look like anybody. I don't know. I don't. I don't follow pro sports that much these days. But it doesn't seem like people are going to get that close to his scoring title. I mean, the amount of total LeBron's, LeBron's, oh, really? he could break it next season. Like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. he's like think like under two thousand points away, so he's breaking it next season. Well, that makes sense. He's already on what his third season with a bald spot. Like that dude is getting old too. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway. I think LeBron's gonna pass it, and then after that, I don't think no one else will. So, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it's crazy. I do enjoy watching Luca, man. Luca Doncic is like, he's he's like scary the way he, he the way he just seems so effortless and can make shots and set up opportunities. So, right, but. This is good, and uh, <laughs> we don't talk too, too much sports on the pod, so I really appreciate it. I actually no reached out to to uh, a girl named Tara, a woman named Tara McGowan. She's the catcher of the Oregon softball team, um, University Ooh. of Oregon. They've had a great last couple of weeks, and they're going into the postseason. But I DM'd her on IG, and that was kind of dumb because she had a little contact email in there. I should just email her instead. <laughs> I don't think she's gonna fucking respond to my podcast invite. Hey, on you IG. never know. It's a podcast invite, and you're in Eugene, so I don't see why not. Respect, man. Well, all right. So let's talk about your music. I don't even know. It's so easy to like go into the 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 most cliche questions, but it's because it's cliche questions that are tried and true. So like, you know, your journey into music. Tell me about how it got started and and uh, what you do. Well, I'm a music producer. A newly YouTuber and a streamer now. And I got into music at like 13. So I used to live in Georgia. I was born in Columbus, but I moved around a whole lot as a kid. And then I grew up in Atlanta. And this is at the prime time where Atlanta is kind of like 
full force running the hip hop music game. So you got Gucci, Ludacris, Jermaine Dupri, Jeezy, Ti, Ti. Like, everybody's like outcast. Everyone's all doing their Kill, things. Killer so, Mike, Killer Mike, like everybody's doing music. So it got to that point where even people who was in Atlanta on the outskirts of, of Atlanta. You just, it was just natural to want to do music. And my brothers and all, they used to rap. They, they were rapping in the garage. And then I used to like, and a lot of my friends, like, because I went around so a lot, a lot, I didn't really have a whole lot of friends like that. So I was like, dang, I got to be around my brothers. I couldn't really go outside because there wasn't a whole lot of, there was no parks walking distance from me. And I'm like 13 years old. So I'm just around my brothers and my brother's like, well, if you're going to be around us, you got to start rapping. And I was like, all right. So I started rapping a little bit and I was holding my own too. Like I was writing my own bars and everything. And then Word. I just stopped rapping because I didn't really like rapping like that. And then, um, but I always knew, but I always like was, uh, you remember iPods? What? Like, I- iPods? Yeah. Yeah, of course, man. I saw my classic until 2017. Nice. nice. So what I used to do is on um, this one, I knew I was going to get, I always, gravitated i've always liked beats more so what i used to do was in middle school and up until most of high school i used to take people's ipods and i used to put the best music on there for everybody basically doing Same what spotify here. did right <laughs> i like, used to help my friends up with their ipods bro mostly the girls that i was interested in like uh, like you know if you could have a moment with a beautiful woman in high school and she's like, oh, I want Reliant K and Switchfoot and, you know, put it on and Blink-182. I'm like, I got you. Because I was torrenting. You know what I mean? See, I wasn't I wasn't even on that. Like, my the thing would make, would make my music so work. I was finding, like, all the legal sites. So mm. everything worked legit. And nobody ever messed up anything. I think the worst thing I had to do, I had to jailbreak two iPods. And it was so crazy because, like, I was making money. So I knew. And I was basically doing what playlisting is now. And I was yeah. doing that to like the whole middle school, like through the whole county of middle school. And I was just putting instrumentals on beats, whatever request they wanted. They write me a list. I found the song, the exact song, start to finish, no like weird edit anything. And then I was making money like that. And then I was like, man, I need to start getting into beats just because I started like, I started stumbling across like dope chill beats. And then uh, my sophomore year, we take the PSATs. And I remember I was like, I don't want to go to school. And I just had FL Studio on my computer for some weird reason. Like, I don't remember how it even got there. And then I started making beats. And I remember I skipped school for like three days. And it was like, and I literally, all I did was make beats the whole day, start to finish, brush my teeth, add a bowl of cereal on the side, making beats. And then I was going to skip like a whole, I I really was about to skip like a whole week of school. But the fourth day, like the way Cobb County was at the time in high school, they called your parents. And like for some reason, I didn't think of it to go grab my mom's phone to check the to delete the voicemail. And like <laughs> she heard it and was like, you've been missing school. I was like, yeah. And she and I told her, and she was like, what was your reason? I'm like, well, only my lowest grade is at 87. So come on. I was like, I'm fine. And come on. that's how I started making beats. Oh, Damn, dude. Yeah. When you talk about chill kind of uh I don't know if you said lo-fi, but chill dope beats. Uh, somehow I think of the artist Burial. Have you ever heard of Burial? I have he not put, heard of okay. Burial. It's a British, uh, British producer from like 2006, 2007, put out a couple albums that were pretty influential. But uh, dude, um, uh, 
there's a lot that 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 I want to jump off of on that. Like for you, like doing kind of that proto playlisting for people before that was a thing. Um, it reminds me of something, and this is a jumping into a short story here uh, again when it comes to uh, music and uh, and and women. Like when I was in high school, uh, there was a, a beautiful uh, girl who transferred into our school, and she was so charming and bright, and she was in my pre-calculus class. Her name was Shelby, and she was a cheerleader, and um, she was just stunning. She was just stunning, and she was she gave me time of day. You know, she was actually like really sweet to me, and so that really kind of led me on to be like, oh man, like could we be a thing? But I was mad awkward, man. Like I, you know, <laughs> autism spectrum, like just socially, like mad oh, awkward. Man. And so what I did was I wanted to make her a C a mix CD, and oh, oh, um, nice. Yeah, and, and it was super cool. And we were in this pre-calculus class that was very chill, had a great vibe to it. And I'll tell you this much. I uh, actually, looking back on it now, I'm pretty sure there was a strong rumor that our that our teacher brought alcohol to school once and got in trouble for for sipping off alcohol while she was teaching math. Uh, so I won't say her name. But um, so I didn't want to – I just thought it would be too forward. And this is so funny how my brain works to make this girl a mix CD, which is, of course, I should have just done it. But I wanted to. So I thought I thought I would make everyone in the class a mix CD and then she would get it from me and it wouldn't be this weird like I did all this just for you kind of thing. Uh. But the, the flip side of that is because I made everybody an individual mix CD that was different in that <sighs> in that 25 person class, which. which nice. <laughs> yeah, but it was also like people in that class who didn't know me and i didn't know them and they were like oh okay so it was it was a little bit unusual but but um and i'll tell you where i'm wrapping up with this it's really crazy um a, an amazing girl who was a year older than me her name's lauren o'shea she just she just passed away she was like what 29 i'm 28 oh, and so she didn't even reach her 30s and she had oh, a some i think something with the brain hemorrhaging I'm, I'm getting it wrong but she collapsed oh, at, at her new job and and she had to be in a coma for a while, and and they took her off life support. She just passed, and and I was looking back to see what photos I might have had with her. And we had one group photo from that class, and and I could, you could go on Facebook and go see friendship, you know, and see all the interactions you've had with someone publicly. <clears throat> and uh, you know, one of the only things that we had between her and me was her saying, "I love the mix CD you made me. Thank you so much." And this was like 2010, 2011. Dang. Yeah. So yes. the. I wasn't thinking about that at all, but the power of music, man, the power of music to, to create connections between people that you have to cherish later because people, music, music is going to outlive us. Facts, man. Ain't that the truth, man? Producer saved my life for real, bro. Like, I didn't even know that, man. Producer saved my life and like, it got me out of trouble. Like, real. So that's powerful, man. All right. All right. R.I.P. to Lauren. What was her last name? Lauren O'Shea O'Shea R.I.P. Yeah, Dang, yeah, man, that's huge. And and the other thing too, I don't want to sound too. I already feel like I've sounded too like um, uh, not materialistic, but shallow. But yeah. she was a baddie, dude. She was fine as hell. She was, you know, and that's part of her legacy too. She she worked it, man. She was she was a volleyball player, and um, you know, truly rest in peace. I don't think anybody would feel it's disrespectful for me to say, nah. among oh. all the things that she was, she was just a very very beautiful woman. Nah, that ain't so. bad at all, man. You know, it's you just being you just speaking real. So I don't, I don't find I wouldn't find it disrespectful, you know. 
Yeah. I wouldn't if I was a relative. It's like, hey, that's a compliment, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, dude, about your name and 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 uh, your your I would say your iconography, like the look about you, the headband. Tell me where that comes from. Uh man, it came from a lot of things, man. Um, so like the cruise part is so funny because <clears throat> I don't I think I sold it. I might have told somebody this once, but like cruise is actually short for like cruise is actually short for crusader. And like when I came up with the cruiser moniker, uh, my brother was like, "Yo, I'm gonna call you Cruise." I was like, all right. And uh, and I was adding my own thing to it. It's like, I've always been my own, I've always been the type of dude to beat to my own drum. So I was like, I'm Crusader. And like, I grew up reading comic books like crazy, like Marvel, nice. DC, Shonen, Mount Manga, all that. Before nice. it was cool. So I was reading Batman. I think it was like one of the 19, like, because Batman started in 39. I think I was reading at the time, like, one of the, 43 editions where they just the where two face came out and they called him the k crusader batman the k crusader and it was spelled c-r-u-i-s-a uh a-d-e-r and all i did was use take the is and just did a z so crusader so a lot of people even like a lot of the older homies they'd be like hey yo zader and it was so funny because like people still call me that now and then like fast forward sophomore junior year I don't know who still still to this day. I don't know who was the first person to call me Cruiser because I never came up with that name by myself. I never said, "Hey, I'm Cruiser." Like someone, I just heard a lot of people start calling me that. And I remember the one that stands out. One of the homies it happened the same day. One of the homies like, "What are we gonna do, Captain Cruiser?" And I was like, <laughs> "Captain Cruiser, that's that's actually sound nice." I'm like, "I'm gonna remember that. Write that one down." And then my track coach, look at you going on a cruiser. Look at you cruising and everything. And I was like, nah, that ain't me. One of my teammates, new name was Kenzie. He was super funny. And like, I was a sophomore. And this is, I kind of like established myself as one of the fastest people in school at track. It was like, I guess these girls like kind of like me and everything. And my context, I used to have dreads. I had dreads for 12 years. So mm. uh, Kenzie was like, man, you got Damn, all the dope. girls looking. Yeah, he's like, thank you, man. He's like, you got all the girls looking at you with your dreads, your light skin with your green eyes, da da da. So yeah, you got you a fangirl. He was like, you got you got the fangirl on it. Look at the cruiser club. I'm like, what's the cruiser club? He was like, that's the fan of cruiser. And I was like, oh, that that actually hard. So like yeah. as we're running doing pyramids, I'm like, I'm thinking that the whole time at practice, like, fan of cruiser, bro. That's hard. I'm a fan of me. So I'll start going by cruiser. <laughs> and then I started my infamous producer tag, Cruiser, Cruiser, Cruiser. Like, that's me saying my tag. I recorded it and I just did a lot of editing, and that's me. And then nice. uh, the Urameshi tag, the Urameshi part of it, I actually got that while living in Oregon. I think it was like I had just moved to Oregon. I had just got my own spot at the time. I was living at Doug's Village. And uh, what city is that in? Eugene. I'm cool. I don't know. Uh, I Doug's Village. In, it's like right by Austin. Oh, word. Oh, yeah. Ducks Village. I thought you said Doug, yeah. like D-O-U-G. <laughs> nah, I was right there. I, I was like, that moved. sounds like some little coastal shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had just moved to Eugene, and then I was watching, uh, and I'm big on anime. I like, oh, I'm, something told me to rewatch to rewatch Yu Yu Hakusho, because now I'm a little bit older, and I watched it. And I watched Yu Yu Hakusho, like, from start to finish, and then, like, from last episode to first episode. I did that in the span of, like, 10 days. And I remember I had like a sticky note and I was wrote, you're a mesh. I'm like, that sounds hard. So I wrote Cruiser, you're a mesh. And I put it on my fridge. Roommates was like, huh, that's hard. And then like, I think I said it around somebody and it was like, 
And I was like, Cruzy Ramesh, and I'm like, we might got something with this. And I think I sent a text message to like four people, and it was like, bro, that's hard. And I just started running with it ever since. So, yeah. So I think it's totally, it. not to diminish your previous accomplishments, but I think it's a totally a name that could become very very big you know it's it's got that potential to to catch people's ears as well as your musical craft and your ability um i want to ask you because i haven't had a lot of producers on i think that you're only my second who is a producer non-rapper um i probably have had some people who yeah just joey is my friend he's a producer but he's rapping so you're really in the producing lane Mm -hmm. and um i would ask to ask you do you feel as a producer in general, sufficiently credited and compensated for your work because it can be an interesting road because I know you do instrumental music, but you also do stuff that people rap on and sing on. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, (laughs) I got placements with some artists and it's unique grabbing like songs with big name artists on your tracks because it's depending on the situations that they're signed or not that you're really dealing with a lot of bullshit because yeah it's more give or take on where you're at and at the time where i was at i i had a name but it wasn't to where it is now to where like off of my own vert i got like maybe 2.4 million overreach on all my social medias as of right now i believe it i mean you have almost four right at this moment i'm sure you probably had more but you have about four thousand monthly listeners on spotify which might sound uh big might sound small to me that sounds big i feel like i've i reach people and i never get more than like 300 400 500 monthly listeners man dude that you know what's crazy is that's like me doing everything down like like prior to last year i was at like for like four like six months straight i was at like twenty thousand. Like just Word. pushing everything, but now I'm just doing everything without pushing money. Well, far as asking your question, though, like I feel like a lot of producers aren't compensated well because, especially with dealing with like bigger artists, because they'll try to hit you with the whole "oh, I got exposure and I got name," and yeah, to a benefit if you know how to work it, you can use that to your favor and leverage. Now that being said, where I'm at in my career now, I have to work with someone of the a tier upper b maybe b tier you know i like they'll probably like shape my life but if it's someone like anything from like d tier and lower it's like nah bro i'm charging because it's like i'm charging full price at that and i know what i can provide to to an artist like i've done it to where even though like up and coming artists is like lower like i don't know i don't like to use the word local because that's i'm not going to disrespect nobody but like Mm. artists on a lower level but like that's not I don't got the reach of like of a record label. And it's like, you got a label pushing behind you. You got audience and you got money from all other places and you have a team. Like you should be able to pay somebody with all that being said. And, you know, a lot of producers aren't really compensated. And I feel like I'm the one, one of the very few to actually speak out about it. And I don't know, I'm not really liked for real for, from a lot of industry producers, which is weird because one side of the industry don't like me. The other mm. side, I'm like, yo, bro, you're the coolest dude ever. Like, I ain't gonna <laughs> tell you with who, but like, I've had some pretty dope conversations and I got some solid inboxes from some people verified and some of y'all favorite producers, artists that hit me up and said, hey, bro, you're a cold dude on these tracks, man. Like, and the thing with me, 
I like doing the instrumental side a lot more because it's more on me. And I know people would like me for me rather than like, you know, when I had my shoreline mafia placement, mm. like when I was living in Eugene the whole time, like when I started getting all my placements, all this happened mm-hmm. when I was living in Eugene, like no, like all my placements that happened from the Roku TV placement, shoreline, hot boy, Turk, little Davey, DK go up. All this happened when I was living in Eugene and it was so crazy because half of Eugene's, not just Eugene, half of Oregon still didn't want to work with me for whatever reason. I never got mad about it. I was like, hey, at this point, if you want to work with me, you want to work with me. And then I just made, I said, I told everybody, I said, all I need to do is just make one artist into dope art, into somebody like, yo, I can really do this all the way and become a part-time manager, quote unquote. But I did it with two artists and it worked in my favor. And it's so crazy because as producers, you know, I've always said if a song pops off on TikTok, whatever, just as an example, out of 10 people, seven people are gonna go to that artist if it's a song for a, a producer. So to answer your question, mm-hmm. I don't think producers ain't really if you get compensated on the back end and everything, then that's a little bit better. But like far as upfront money, nah. And we definitely don't get the glorification from it, which I feel like a lot of producers should, but same time, unless you do EDM heavy or you're a DJ, and even then you're not really getting recognition for your for your direct music, you're getting recognized just for DJing the event. So I don't think producers get their glory that they deserve because end of the day, I don't know about you, but I never went to a, a open an acapella open night cipher. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ain't no one yeah. lined up to go to an acapella concert. <laughs> Who the you fuck's can't. doing that? You you know, even a guy like Drake, who has a lot of fans, if he showed up to the arena and didn't have any music behind him, people would leave. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, man. No, that's really interesting. I hope that we might be on the cusp of a new sort of chapter in the collaborative music space and the hip hop world and pop music everywhere where we recognize that the person who fucking made this music or put this together should, should have some shine as well. Because when you look at hip hop... DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. The DJ, of course, was credited first, you know, Mm -hmm. early on before the MC became significant at all. The MCs were just people at parties who pick up the mic and hype up the DJ and started doing it with rhymes, you know? So so that's interesting. I also think that, um, you know, with sampling, like... uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful art form. I There was a time when I wanted to go into entertainment law and I wanted to be a lawyer and help like young creators who want, who have a, like an amazing, let's say you got an amazing idea for a beat and it samples like the 1970s classic rock band America over some like Rick Rubin drums or something like, or, or, you know, like some shit like that. And then you can never monetize off it. You can never, cause, cause all this shit is owned by, the biggest labels in the world. And so I've always kind of wanted, uh, and J Cole talks about it on the end of, uh, the end credit song from the 24, 2014 forest Hills drive album. He's like, uh, I'm gonna pay you. But if you put the shit out in the world, I should be able to use the shit. However the fuck I want and make my own shit. You, you was inspired by the world. Let right. the world be inspired by your shit. So I've always had a very liberal mentality when, I'm, when thinking like, Dude, let let the let these kids use the shit. Let the you know, and then the, of course the flip side of it is, well, the people that own it are already having they don't get compensated enough as they as much as they should in many cases, 
you know and so right. is it theft is it borrowing is it is it tribute inspiration all that shit it's a lot like sampling it's is case by case it is and like i don't even sample like it's so crazy because like i don't I hear a lot do, of them in like, your stuff i can't the thing is like i know how to sample and one of my a lot of my best songs have been sampled like which is ironic like hmm. uh it's on youtube uh I sampled, I sampled a Daft Punk song. It's called Blue Dream. And nice. it's a West Coast vibe. And when I sampled a song for my brother not that long ago, from I forgot where the sample was from. It was me and this guy from Germany named Juso. We just did a sample record together. And Juso sent me the sample. And the sample didn't sound what it did. And I kind of just did my own thing with it. But I don't like sampling mainly off of that reason, for one. And two, I just think that sampling, like, I, if, if we could get rid of like not get rid of them we could have like a law where it's like hey if i could give the sample the original creation of the sample 20 25 even 30 percent i don't mind doing that like i i would do that on a sample that's just me personally but mm-hmm. the thing is it's like when the sample creator the origin of the sample try to go for all of it when it's like you did you get your part sure i'll, I'll get i want to give you 30 percent maybe negotiate but like you could get thirty percent off of it, just you, just all solely being your name. I feel like that's fair, but I just think that with me sampling and all, I just don't like cutting, chopping loops. That takes all day, and it do. It, it's annoying, and that's why I rather just like now. Nah, I rather just create from scratch, and I know how to sample. I just don't like doing it because it takes all day, and. I'd rather the only way I try to sample is if it gets requested. But even then, okay. a lot of people that hit me up, they don't really request samples from me. But I do so many genres to where I'm surprised I don't get it asked that much. And I hope I don't. But I'd rather just listen to the VOP off of it, just rather give you something new that's inspired from it, but not exactly like it. So that's just I my hear thing. It. I, I I can tell what you're talking about in your music, you know. I yeah. I, I haven't heard too much of it, frankly, but I've heard, you know, six seven tracks and and I'm uh, you I, up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but take me through the uh, the creative process typically for for something you do. Of course, it's gonna get inspired inspired in a lot of different directions, or it could start with a with a melody or a drum pattern or or whatever it may be. But but um, what are you using too? Like hardware, software to uh to create gotcha well my daw digital audio workstation is fruity loops i'm fruity loop for life i ain't, I ain't yeah. jumping over i tried ableton i tried reaper studio one is cool but fl is where i'm at studio um, one is the one i'm trying to start using shoot, uh, which is sad simple. because i i basically all i do really is record my vocals on my on beats for the most part and add compression limiter eq uh reverb and I use Audacity, bro. And that's so, nice. so like basic, but I use Audacity. And so I'm trying to get to a studio one or somewhere where the thing for me is I fucking, if I do an effect in Audacity, like I add compression or reverb, it just does that to the track. And then it's mm-hmm. not like I have a fucking fader where I can adjust it later. Like yeah. when that's, that's what you want is like, okay, dial that back a little bit. Oh, I can't dial that back because I already added that before I added the limiter and the reverb, so it's all fucked. So so really, I have found the right settings to where I feel like it sounds great, but I have very little capacity to make tweaks and changes and shit, so. 
I mean, honestly, you got the soundboards in the back. You got a microphone. You straight mm-hmm. for real. All if you just know how to find your EQ level, right? You good for real. Like that's right. It's just finding out that level mixing and stuff like that. But far as like my creative process go, like I I don't know. Like I I've never had beat block ever in my life. And nice. it's crazy. Like I don't. I it, it, it trips me out when people do like, bro. I made a beat in like five or six months, and it's like you okay? Like you know, like. And the way I look at beat block is like if I sit on a computer, if I can't finish a beat, you know, if I if I like beat block means like I don't make a beat in like five, like two, three weeks. That's block. Like, you know what I mean? Sure. But like I don't I don't know. I never had beat block, man. And I just I'm always inspired just because like I just love making beats originally. So my creative process when I want to create something, like I can literally just walk outside, drink a glass of water. And be like, oh, I got to be in my mind and like just go. Like I, I create beats on just like, like, but like Benny been around it. Benny seen me do this a hundred times. Like I could just be having conversations and just be making beats with people, and I like, still be engaging in the conversation and making the beat, and it still come out nice. Like I've done that so many times, or like I'd be around like fifteen people, and I'm just making a beat, having a conversation, still in tune with the beat, and like knowing what I'm doing. So. I'm just always ready to go to make a beat. Like I can make a beat literally like anywhere, any moment. Like if I got some good speakers, or I don't even need good speakers. Like I'll make like when I started making beats, I didn't have no speakers, no headphones. I was making beats in the front room when people were vacuuming and stuff like that. So wow. I know how to like make beats anywhere. So I'm always ready to go. So nice. I don't really have no like, you know, habits and stuff like that. It's just kind of like I got something in mind cool and like i don't know i just always listen to a whole lot of vast of music too to where i'm not limited to like one thing and i don't know when i tell people i could make like if i really wanted to i don't do it as much now like i used to make like 25 beats a day for like two months straight amazing damn kanye eat your heart out lock yourself in a room doing five beats a day for three summers shit how about doing five times more than that yay Damn, he because right. he, he bragged about doing five a day, dude. Shoot, man, I, I'm done, man. The pandemic, when the pandemic started, boy. <laughs> oh man, I done, bro. I I literally did that with that March 2020 to like June. I did four thousand beats. Although, to be fair, he was probably talking about like the 90s. So, True. like the Way technology different. isn't as instant and not as uh quick, but True. uh. And then respect to all the pioneers, man. Let's talk about some of your um, – it doesn't necessarily have to be influences on your style, but producers who you admire and you um, just ha- have a lot of respect for. Lex Luger. Lex Luger, one of the best. He, he's, he's in my top five because he don't get yeah. a lot of props for real. He, he started – I don't know what he's done. Movies. I know the name. I don't, I, I don't can't think of hits that he's done. I could name five right now. BMF Rick Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard in the paint. Uh, round really? Flocka. Yeah, he basically brought he basically broke Flocka. That's that's the best way to describe Lex Luger. Uh, those uh, those horns, those horns on that on that hard in the paint is like you're right. That that's, literally yeah. made Flocka. Uh, Taylor game with Wiz Khalifa. Um, yeah, and in his more recent work, which he had a song with Wiz Khalifa, Travis Scott, Juicy J, Bake Sale. So like Lex Luger, he don't. He don't get his respect for real. Uh, so that's one. No. 
DJ Toomp, he's hard because he actually invented. I say he invented the trap sound for real. Mm. Um, Diplo, Diplo's nice. Diplo's I rock with Diplo cool. heavy. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, A track, A track, pretty cool. I rock with it. I like I like the uh, sounds he does. Martin Garrix is nice. Marshmallow is solid. Um, who else? Take a day trip. Hey, wait, What's up? Take a day trip. Yeah, <laughs> day trip is day trip is fucking got some crazy shit. Um, I also really like tech. Uh, a guy who used to work a lot with Tech Nine named Seven, Michael Seven Summers. He's he's somebody I really admire. I'm not too big on on text music like that, man. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, I just those kind of who else are like Jay Dilla, Jay Dilla, <laughs> nice Rizza, Manny Change Fresh. Music. Uh, what's they don't Big Crit don't get his respect either. He as a producer, I love Big Crit music and it's like. I feel like when it comes to producers that are artists, I feel like Big Crit is the best one out of all out of everyone that's come out so far. He's the one producer who can actually rap. And not saying a lot of producer artists can't rap, it's just a lot of them aren't don't have the lyrical ability like that. And I see Big Crit is the best one. My I'm looking right now, I'm seeing that Big Crit has uh, at least he co-produced, but he probably produced my favorite Big Crit song, which is Big Bank featuring T.I. from Fueva is a Mighty Long Time. Mm-hmm. Do you know that song, Big Bank? Yeah. It looks like he produced it with, with um, Willpower. And, uh, oh, my God, dude. Yeah, I would literally fucking come home from the hotel and get in the – I would be driving the shuttle van, big old 12-passenger mm-hmm. shuttle van for the hotel and take my coworker, who was my supervisor. I'd take her home every night um, before I would get off my shift, and we just bump that song. And it's just so thumping, man. I got big right. bank flexing on a motherfucker. Ain't shit chain because I'm still getting mine. And the T.I. Right. verse, he made T.I. go crazy, I swear. But T.I. been going crazy. T.I.'s coming to Lane County Fair also um, this this summer. So I'm really excited oh. about that. Oh, shoot. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Is he doing comedy? No, I don't know. Is he getting into that world? Yeah, he's he been doing comedy. He's been doing stand-up. I believe it. He's he's it's, got character. It's interesting. He got uh, yeah. he got some flack from from a few comedians so far. So it's kind of a little different, <laughs> dude. Comedians, it's a rough world, man. Comedians don't like other comedians. You have I mean, alt. Well, you have alt comedy, and then you have the more traditional fucking comedy and and so yeah i think comedians hang out with other comedians a lot i listen to a lot of comedians on podcasts like mostly i listen to shane gillis i listen to mark norman joe list uh rachel feinstein i listen to joe rogan um and uh it's interesting to hear their take on comedy um but jerry seinfeld says that you know he really thinks of comedy as one of the only meritocracies where the amount of if you're funny that's just it like no one can deny if you can go in front and make people make people laugh for an hour it can't really be denied you know what i mean and and that's pretty cool about comedy but i've tried it i tried it once or twice and uh still obviously have that dream you know of of how fun it would be to 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 make people laugh like that but i find my own ways to make people laugh man I, i i actually think that um before tiktok got really big I always imagined that if I was actually going to become 
you know, the household name, you know, that I, that I think most creators want to become like the really successful, it would probably be not as a, not as a serious Kendrick Cole, Eminem hip hop artist, but more as a, as a, as a musical parody kind of person. Cause I come up with funny shit. Like I come up with dumb, dumb, like unapologetically dumb. Like I, like when I would, I was on tour twice rapping And I would just fucking uh, we had this song "Determination" by Sammy Warmhands and Ogar Burl, and he goes, "Definition of determination. You could see it in my face when I'm pacing the stage." And uh, me and my friend Skeptic are fucking just potty mouths, and we I would say, "Definition of aspermination. You could see it on your face when I'm glazing your waist." Whoa! Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that going there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's and yeah, you asked me before, like, funny. can can we cuss on your podcast, Thomas? Can we get inappropriate? Yeah, no, we. This is one of the most no holds barred episodes. I dig it. I fuck with it. I fuck but with the funny it, thing is, and then with TikTok blowing up, I I don't know. Maybe I'm shy or something. I've got like fucking six videos on there. I I, I but I do see friends of mine who are. Um, getting 15k followers in like a couple of weeks just from putting out two three four videos a day yeah so. shoot i'm i just got on the tiktok train myself man and i'm at almost like two thousand followers but i just started taking more seriously like in january because like i started posting it maybe towards like around like uh thanksgiving but I started, that's when I created my first, t- I think I created my TikTok in around Thanksgiving and I started taking it serious in January. And uh, one of my songs was starting to catch traction on TikTok. Synthwave? Yeah. Hey, he up, hey, he did homework. Yes. <laughs> yes. People don't be doing their uh, homework, man. It's not that hard, man. I go to your Spotify, scroll to the bottom, you got a little bio there. Just. <laughs> hey, Take Grady it. read the bio. Yes, bro, salute to Grady. He read the bio, man. <laughs> Oh, people don't be reading. <laughs> oh shit, that's I hilarious. That, but, well, another yeah. thing. Oh yeah, okay. Let's talk about that though. The synthwave and TikTok. Uh, I don't even know what I did on that one, bro. Like, I didn't <laughs> do anything. Like, people ask it's me, never, like, what do? It's never Nothing. the fucking. Again, I got to shout out my friend Sammy, who I toured with. He <laughs> has a song called "Crisis of Conscience," and it's got a fat beat, but it's pretty much just about. Um, images of women in society being hypersexualized and and objectified mm. and and how he feels shame for buying into it because intellectually he knows that you know this is cheap and seedy and 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 one dimensional in his opinion but but from a from a biological or just like human standpoint he's like yeah these images are very fucking compelling and I am gonna buy into it and I am gonna want to see all these images. Um, and so it's this very, like, it's a song basically about like, what are we doing as society? We're propping women up to be only sex objects. And he would play these shows. And with this big fat beat on this song, he told me, he's like, Thomas, do you know what song gets people dancing more than any of my other songs? <laughs> it's like, what? He's like crisis. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. Girls are out there shaking their booty. Like they can't, like they're not hearing the lyrics, but and hey, I'm not, not here to it. diss anybody having a good time to any music. Right. So, yeah, right. man. Let me ask you about um, 
uh, with the amount of time we have left, like uh, KEPW, Eugene Peaceworks Radio. That's hey. how I actually got to know Amia Nectar. And I saw that your music has something to do with black the Black Triad. And oh, yeah, I always knew. Cool. Yeah. So is that just a triad meaning three people? Is that Amia, Benny Cosmic, and you? Is that nah, or no? Mia, Mia and BT. It's like technically oh. seven. Oh, okay. Seven of us. I started back in high school. Uh, oh. it's me, Chuck, Benny, Lavish, Ray, Ace, and Ghost. Much Ghost of them dudes. I don't know out. any of them. Nah, uh, Lav actually used to live in uh, Oregon too. And uh, cool. when we hosted a radio show, it used to be me, Benny, and Lavish. And it was so That's, crazy because, okay. like, uh, yeah, in the middle, we just. Uh, she just came around on some cool stuff. And okay, uh, yeah. was that Firewalker Radio or was that her show? I might be okay. No, that, that was us. That was that us. Was like, you. and okay. it's so crazy how we came up with that show concept too. Because I kind of nice. had like, we was just kind of like trying to just get our music out there, just just be appearing on the radio stations for like mm-hmm. interviews and just get our music on radio. Me and Benny at the time, and then uh, he was like, "Hey, yo, I know somebody over here," and then. He just ended up getting a radio show just uh, like being ready because uh, I remember I brought my laptop. Something told me to just bring my laptop on me. Mm. And then uh, I think Simone had a guest. Her guest didn't show up for a story time. And she's like, dang, I need, a, I, need some, I need a guest or two and I need a beat. I was like, hey, we can do it. And I got my laptop ready. And then uh, I was like, "Do you need me to?" I'll, and I'll ask her straight face. I was like, "Hey, you need me to create the create you a beat, or do you want to have a beat played? I can do either or in ten minutes. Let me know that. Let me know the situation." And Benny was like, wow. "He could probably make the beat in five if we're going to be honest." I was like, "Chill, bro. I need time <laughs> to, <laughs> to open it up." And then uh, yeah, we hosted a radio show, and KP was cool. I actually miss hosting the radio for real, man. To be honest, yeah, I miss doing it. Where are you at nowadays, and when did you leave Eugene? I left Eugene in December. Yeah, December 2020. And I was like, yeah, I kind of, I don't know. I still feel like I was kind of taking up all the water in a little pond. So I kind of just bounced. But I honestly, yeah. I'll be everywhere, man. Like, a lot of people don't awesome. really know where I'm at because, like, there's, I don't know, people ask me rumors. I was like, bro, we're here and you're in Arizona. I heard you're in Washington. And it's like, Hey man, I'm Batman, so I'll just if you see me, you'll see me. <laughs> That's great, man. How well, old I are you? Be traveling about twenty five. Twenty five. What a great way to spend your mid twenties, man. It's just see that see what what there is out there. Got to man. It's like I've been traveling quite a bit this year already, and I'm still gonna do continue some traveling too. I was supposed to travel this month, but I was just like after April and March and February, I kind of was like, yeah, I've been on the road for like. The last, I think the whole April, I think I was only at home for like 10 days. And wow. like March, I was only home for like six. So I kind of just been pretty tired, man. So I'm just like, look, I want to yeah. chill for like a month. And then June, I'll be on the road. July, I'm going to be on the road. August is going to be on the road. September, I don't want to be on the road. Maybe I might do in September. So I'm kind of <laughs> just like traveling yeah. is fun, but it's, it's it, it gets tiring after a while. So you yeah. got the time to kind of like recoup and like just get yourself right. Yeah, there's a lot of different um, ways to for tra- uh, to travel and implications on what that means because sometimes right. people travel because they have nothing left. 
They have nothing right. going on in their community, keeping them in their community. They might have no resources. They might be hitchhiking, whatever it might be. Or people are traveling because they have excess. They have right. plenty. They have well the funds to book the book everywhere and, and get the travel going on. But the, with, with KEPW, um, you know, I came to find out about them in 2020 or maybe even late 2019. And uh, mm-hmm. I just want to give a shout out because Eugene, Oregon is a small community. And we have three thriving public radio stations. We have KLCC, KRVM, and KEPW. And uh, yeah, Eugene Peaceworks, EPW. And and what that tells me is that our community still has a lot of hippies who live in like their their VW buses and whatever and they still be listening to the radio like and I love right. it I respect it you know like we Got to. keep that alive keep that alive keep it alive yeah CDs. right CDs were were uh experienced an up uh, an upswing in sales in 2021 CDs are actually on the way up a little bit right now which is right they've which been is selling amazing. quite a bit like I think yeah. I, I don't know that I can't remember the exact number, but it was like I think like a mid M, I think at last last check. And I was like, dang, they sound out like that. And I've had some people ask me that's like, yo, can I get a, a CD of SS64? And I was like, uh shoot, I didn't even make any, but I can right. try. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I can try. Yeah, I um that's cool. Yeah, press up your own shit. That'd be dope. Um, right. Even if you're just gonna take a sharpie and like do some cool original design on the CD, that's tight, you know. But um, nah, nah. <laughs> I uh, I have a thousand copies coming of my my next full length, so nice. I I paid for that off rip. Like I dropped like uh, twelve hundred on on that through Atomic Disc in Salem. It's a local Oregon company. I work. Oh, nice. I like what I've done with them before. So and it's and they're all good quality, replicated six panel um, trifold. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be dope for Ooh. for the full length when I finish it because yeah, I, I the being able to put a physical product in people's hands feels really good. Oh man, so. it does. And like I got this rule where I do where I like I buy an album at least like once a year from an up and coming artist just to be able mm-hmm. to like. Hey, I rock with you, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Just to have them. Like, I, I've been doing that ever since I turned 20, and I got in four. And, uh, yeah, I got one this year, so I was pretty cool about it. And, I, and one, I'm on one of the tracks, too. So I was like, hey, I I'll, I'll, I'll I got the gear. And he's like, I'll throw the CD in there for you, too, big, bro. I was like, hey, that's love. So, yeah, awesome. I, gotta, I try to do it like that. Yeah. Um, when you're making your music, what I think of as your music is having an overall spacey, spacey, otherworldly vibe to it. And yeah. I wanted to ask you, this is kind of a weird philosophical question, but with that music, I feel as though I'm being taken to the future or to outer space. I feel like, um, do you feel like your music is mostly meant to help people escape the day-to-day life of mundane life? Or is it more of a, a source of strength and reflection that they can take into that day-to-day life and engage with their problems? I say both. Yeah, like, I figured. <laughs> I, f- I would say both for, like, different reasons, though. Like, I say to get the strength through the day-to-day life is, like, I've actually had a crazy story that I ain't never said publicly, man, so you get some exclusive juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this dude was in uh, Brazil. And uh, he uh, found one of my projects, One Night's Rain. And yeah, he he's told me himself, he said he uh, listened to the tape for like, he found me 
And he said, like, before writing me, and I was so crazy because, like, I was just on, because I had my notifications off on my phone. So, like, I just clicked on his message when he sent it to me. And he was like, dude, I've been going through a whole lot of stuff in my life. He was, like, a 17-year-old kid in Brazil. Wow. And he was like, dude, I got bullied. My girlfriend dumped me. And I was like, dang, bro. And he's like, he said he was on the verge of contemplating suicide. And uh, he said, dude, I came across your music. And, like, I just listened to One Night's nice Rain, man. It kind of, like, calmed me down a lot. And I was like, dang, bro, that's that's insane. And uh, I was like, I appreciate you, dude. Like, you know, but I ain't mean to. And I was like, and I was like, yo, if you want to video chat, we can. He was like, nah, man, it's fine. And dude was kind of like, nah, man, I really, your music is inspiring, bro. So, like, keep it going. Wow. And, you know, you just know people are listening to you. And I was like, dang. That's that's deep, bro. Like, and it was so crazy because I didn't even expect that. Because you know, I just had to do it up from a Reddit post, and you know, just gave us some producer tips. And then like he fought, inboxed me from Reddit and was like, yo, he just told me what was going on exactly like a like two, three months later. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. And then like the future part, uh I'm influenced like video game soundtracks really got have a key to my sounds and stuff like that. And nice. You ever played you you play Sonic and stuff, right? The of old course. Sonic. So like I listen to like a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog music. And yeah, the old one where it's all side scrollers. I love mm-hmm. that. Right. That I listen to that. Um what else? Uh F Zero. I played a lot of that. And F Zero uh, so, has that good high energy frantic music. Mm-hmm. And it's and they all like futuristic elements of like their backgrounds and stuff like that. So I would just do a lot of those and like maybe like a lot of Sega tracks. So like when I listen to a lot of Sega music, like soundtracks, they're all like futuristic, like Jet Set Radio and stuff like that. So like I would listen to that to kind of like, okay, this is more so like I can do with both. And then just the whole space and stuff too. And it's just like futuristic. So I rock with that. So that's a good way of wording. I never really thought about it like that. But it's just like when I've done it, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me like, when people hit me up, it's like, bro, like, I hear a lot of your music on, like, Sonic the Hedgehog. And I was like, yeah. I rock with Sonic the long way, so that's huge. Or, like, I, don't know, I get more compliments up when people say, I can hear your music in this game, rather than to say, hey, I can hear you an artist on this beat. Like, that's just me personally. I'd rather take those compliments than, like, an actual artist. Not a knock on the artist, but, like, yeah, it's just... It's crazy, man. But, yeah, I've had some pretty wild... I had some gnarly messages over the years from, like, the amount of people that have, re- have reached out to me on showing mm-hmm. love like worldwide. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm just like, dang, like people really like are hearing my music and they're telling me this because I don't think no one would just randomly just say a message just to say a message, you know? Yeah. So yeah. especially if you're like from a post like Reddit where it's like, hey, like, and you know, the dude looked my music up and then like he looked up my music and found it. Like, it was mm-hmm. so crazy. I'm like, dang. That's that's wild, but yeah. Um, I gotta tell you, one of my favorite like video game soundtracks ever. It probably is gonna be my top two. Is is a Sonic game, and then my top ever is 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 Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie for N sixty four. But that's more on some quirky that kind of that kind of stuff is really fun. But but Sonic Adventure two, it's Sonic Adventure two battle for GameCube. Uh, in Circuit City, you used to be able to play the demo, and you're doing the escape mm-hmm. from the city, and you're sliding right. down. You remember that? That yes, that, first level. I actually played it mm-hmm. uh, two days ago. 
<laughs> yeah. And they've got hip hop on the knuckles levels. Um, and all the knuckles levels is hard. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you, man. Even like the spacey elements of that, man. There's all sorts right. of cool stuff, bro. So I'm glad right. we could connect on that. But yeah, that 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 intro first level, rolling around at the speed of sound. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I, I wanted to sample that, man, but I was like, I don't get it. If I sample, it, I gotta put it out on YouTube and just just release it, just to release it. But I'll awesome. definitely sample that for like a YouTube take. Go take the vocal and just sample it. I did not even think that that was gonna come up. That's so awesome, dude. Right. Well, all right. Let me ask you one final question. Unless, do you feel like there's anything that you wanted to put before my audience or talk about that you haven't had the chance to speak about about Cruiser Urameshi? Honestly, Cruiser and Mesh is probably one of the chillest producers ever. I don't know. I'm like, I'm cool as hell, but I don't know. A lot of people say I'm cocky, but it's funny because it's like I've done, I've been consistent over my years, you know, and I'm a self-taught music producer. Uh, SS64 just hit 100,000 as of yesterday on Spotify, which makes it my second tape to do 100,000. And my first tape was uh, the big one, Cruiser 64, that I dropped in 2020. Mm -hmm. And that's at a total streams is at a quarter million streams. So I just been moving. Um, so, yeah, I've just really just been grinding and just, you know, just been laying low and just, I don't know. I just eventually I'm probably going to create a, my own producer discord down the road. And I kind of want to like I'm just kind of just setting everything up right now. And it's still in the works, but I don't know. I'm just at that point to where it's like I'm really picking and choosing who I want to work with. So, you know, am I going to start trying for a collateral producer? Fuck no. I feel like that shit lame <laughs> as hell. But I don't know. If artists want to work with me, the invitation is open, but I'm not doing quote-unquote free work. It's like if, you want, if I'm going to do it for free, I'm going to do it just because I see potential in you. Yeah. And I know we can get something going. And like the way I'm at at this point, I got like the majority of my songs on Spotify. Like I only had Spotify for about two years, and mm. like majority of my spot, like I'm already at half a million streams in in over two years, and like on my Spotify catalog, no That's big name awesome. artists. Thank you, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. And like, no big names on my songs on Spotify too. Like, that's what yeah. makes it even more impressive. Is like, it's purely yes. either instrumentals or like up and coming artists to like combine. Like, I, I would say, out of all and you don't artists, owe anybody. You don't owe don't anybody. Owe, don't owe nobody. I, we just had election night in Oregon. And mm -hmm. when these candidates get all, huge sums of money from corporate interests. Then when they're office, they owe people favors, you know, otherwise they're not going to get that money to get reelected again. Right. And that's a similar concept in a way is like if uh, is. someone really tries to help you by putting themselves in there with you, then they've kind of entered a non formal sometimes or even formal business sort of engagement with you and then you might kind of owe them in the future you might owe them beats you might owe them credit props you might they might feel some type of way if you don't give love you know and 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 uh one thing you said cruiser was about people thinking that you're cocky and yeah. i gotta say man i've i've had plenty of people think that i'm cocky and yeah. uh and that's why i try to give people a benefit of the doubt when i think that they might be that way because the reality is a lot of people in this world, we live in a fucked up, broken world. That's why the name's called, the podcast is Broken Class. 
you and I are here I in a like two-person it. classroom right now talking about what's broken in society. And um, and a lot of people actually never really get confidence. They never are able to cultivate it. They never learn nice. it. Maybe they're never blessed with it. And what people who have confidence can do and should do, and I think that you're doing, is just model it. Model it. Nice. Be un- be Don't be a dick, but be unapologetic about believing in what you do because right. frankly people take it negatively because it's their own insecurities that they're upset that they can't be like that but you're doing you you literally are actually giving them the chance to become that way by modeling it and demonstrating right. it and saying believe in yourself you're never going to be as get as far in life if you don't believe in yourself ain't that the truth man it's like it's so crazy i've actually had some producers because i used to do i do producer tips and shit like that and like I started doing producer tips maybe like 2018 and I kind of like veered off from that. I've had more people hit me up from my producer tips, a synthwave song or like lo-fi projects than I've ever had off my placements. And like majority of the people have hit me up from producer tips. I've had people get into peace because they said, bro, I learned more shit from your producer tips watching them shits for like an hour. And like my shit's short as hell. And I got a lot of producer tips on like, you know, from my TikTok and now YouTube shorts that I'm doing. A lot of people are like, bro, like, you got a lot of game from, like, on, like I have a homeboy, Ozzy, Ozzy Joel. He was like, dog. And I've known him since he was eight years old. And, like, he's, like, 23 now. And Ozzy was like, Cruiser, bro, I'd rather just go to you because I know if I if I got a question, you know, you're not going to make me feel bad for asking the question like most people do. You actually, like, because the question – and I told him, like, you don't ask stupid – I don't believe there's no such thing as a stupid question – However, I believe there's a question. If you can at least look it up yourself, do that, you know? Nice. But that being said, is like, Ozzy, you asked me questions that, like, I didn't know. Like, I had to figure shit out. Like, you know, I didn't have no, like, I didn't have no one show me how the music game goes. Like, I yeah. literally had to figure shit out. And on top of that, like, you know, like, I've shown, like, Benny and Lab how to, like, kind of, like, handle certain shit. Like, and that's the one thing I can say about me, like, my whole basically almost 10 years 11 now that i've been making beats been producing never had no beef like i never had no beef situation that met, that went public never had Damn. a bad falling out with no artists every artist i've worked with they'll tell you this shit. i'm either a their favorite producer or b i've produced one of their best songs that had a best fan reception Every artist that's worked with me has seen some type of growth in their fan base immediately the moment they've released something. And it's all been positive. Like, I got a song called Hot Dog with some boys out in Massachusetts uh, cruising in this. I was to say some studios. that Them my guys, Martian Cruising, K Marco. They told me, they said, bro, the moment, ever since we dropped Hot Dog, we had more people start taking us seriously on music. Wow. And, like, they've had And you would never like, think from the title of that song. You know, that, that would equate video, to seriousness, and that's beautiful. Right. I'm my whole album is about food, <laughs> <laughs> right? But like with them, though, like it is so crazy. Like Hot Dog was a throwaway beat, and they say they love the beat of Hot Dog. I'm like, bro, that was a throwaway. And they was like, if Hot Dog is a throwaway, bro, then what kind of beats do you really got? That you just said no. And like with that, they was just was like, bro, Cruiser, like you really changed our lives for real. And it's like now they got people overseas, rock, like starting to work with them. Uh, they've been doing shows like I think they just did like six shows the last five days. Like they're doing shows in like other states like New York, Delaware, New Hampshire and stuff like that. So they're really like moving, doing shows and stuff like that. So 
gotta get Snoop to say something. Like it's just crazy. Like you know, out of those two things, like every artist, I'm just happy to say I never had no beef so far, and that every artist that I've worked with, I've legitimately made an impact to where it's like you can't deny that. Like even if they, if we was to have a falling out, they can't even deny. Like yeah, bro, Cruiser made an impact. That's like that's yeah. valid, and that's kind of yeah. like my rule is like. If I made an impact that, that your fans know, then it's like I know I'm doing the right thing. And that's why I don't even be getting discouraged. Like when I was like 17 and 19, I used to get can I I never used to think, can I make music? I used to always think like how long it's gonna be. But once I got like that first placement after I graduated high school, I was like, man, fuck this. I know what to do. Like, just get it like if more people know who I am daily, I'd rather take that than going viral. Cause going viral. It ain't no like I don't need to go viral. Like I was talking to someone last the other day. I was like, if I go viral, I'm gonna have a lot of dick riders that I'm not. There's gonna be too much. But if yeah. I get consistent people that see my growth, I'm fine. If I my rule is, if I keep my Instagram reach over a thousand, I'm fine. Because out of that a thousand, I'm positive four people are gonna hit that follow button. And if you follow yeah. me, you're good. And out that four people are gonna follow me two people who are actually going to be in tune with my music or maybe they'll all four out of that a thousand reach. Cause when it comes to social media, like I, I said this shit when I was 20 years old, 21, you know, 1% of your social media is going to interact with the actual content you're pushing out. You're a creator. You understand it. So like yeah. only 1%. So I said, I don't care about the followers. Like having people that follow you just want to watch, to be honest, you know, yeah. it's just spectators out of that, you know, and if I gave 1%, of my followers that's interacting with me, you're technically a successful content creator over regards of any facet whatsoever. The fact yeah. that my shit, I'm at like 15%. I'm, I'm doing fucking straight considering like, I don't have no billboard record, haven't been signed, never signed a deal. Like I own all my masters. Like, wow. I'm fine. Like, you know, I'm straight. All I gotta do is keep doing it. I knew you would have stuff to say. I was like, what do you want to open up the floor to? I was like, I know he's going to have more to say. But, uh, dude, um, I'm going to ask you the final question, uh, which is basically about how um, we – I want to ask you about what something is that you perceive is broken in society and a solution to fixing it. But before we get to that, like, just uh, let people know, like, how they're going to how, – how can they get at you? How can they engage with what you do for uh, you're gonna have a lot of first time listeners as well as a couple of our friends who who know all about it. So I see that you're uh, Cruiser Three X uh, C R U Z E R Three X on Instagram and 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 what else can people do to find you and support you? Uh, all this as as what Grady said, Cruiser Three X on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and I Twitch stream as well too. Uh, I stream every Sunday and. I usually try to stream Thursdays, but like I'm about to start getting more into like streaming different days for gaming out the week. And also I'm kind of like sporadic like that right now, but I stream at least every Sunday at 5 p.m. Um, excuse me. And I try to always just do that. Try, try to stream at least once a week. Um, and, you know, just whatever, cool. you know, we could talk anything, producing, yeah. beats, uh, gaming, comics. I'm all in it. So sports awesome. anime all that shit so hit me up whatever yeah. spot I love all how my we, music i love how we started out with sports you know it's gonna filter <laughs> out a couple of people who don't give a shit 
but that right. leaves it warmer and tighter for the people who stuck through it and who love Thanks. talking NBA because NBA Thanks. is amazing. Yeah, um, all right, so what's something that you think is broken in society and what's part of a solution for fixing it? It's broken. Man, shit, there's a lot, bro. I know. <laughs> I know. What, what is broken society can be fixed? I say communication, bro. Oof. And Go like, off. I say communication is broken in society, strangely, ironically enough, due to social media, because social media has ruined like communication. Like, I can't tell you how many people I've reached out to that's and you know, there's difference between like spamming and shit like that. I'm not considering that's not that's bad communication too. But like mm. You give someone compliments and stuff like that, or you know, it's compliment someone on their outfit or whatever. Whether it even is like, is just showing love. People act like they too cool, and it's so weird because social media give people a fake sense of validity that's not even there. You know what I'm saying? And you got a lot of lame people that's underneath someone's comments, and it's like, yo, these people don't even really rock with you like that. They just see you as an object and mm. or like or you're being fetishized and stuff like that and you know it's crazy with communication the reason i say communication is broken is because i think the pandemic made more people so shelved off now especially now with the mass mandates being lifted out versus the whole country yeah i think more people are talking a lot less now than ever because now everyone's still kind of like eh, weird about stuff and it's like hey you live your life that's on you bud but I just feel like communication has got broken even more worse now to where it used to be a hundred pieces of glass. Now it's a thousand. So mm. that being said, I just, I just think that like a lot of people got it. Like at least me, I can't speak to nobody else, man. But yeah, I know with me, the way I do my communication is man, I only like being on my phone for real. Like only time I try to be on my phone at this point is to talk to my nephew Mm. Or like a phone call or like FaceTime. And I'd rather just FaceTime so that way I can actually see you. Like, don't call me, bro. We gonna FaceTime. Like, let me see somebody actually, dog. Because like mm. we gotta see that. And I think like, you know, to, to fix the communication problem, you know, I just feel like a lot of people, and I'm glad I graduated right before social media and I didn't have a phone in high school. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. But like I have a sense of I knowing how to communicate with people. And like a lot of people will tell you, like, I'm more of the like everybody who met who knows me, there's like, you know, Cruz cool as hell, but just he ain't gonna bullshit you. Just don't try to bullshit him and you know, you good. And I So you graduated we, like what, 2015 high school? Yes, sir. Without a cell phone, then. that's very rare. That is yeah. a that is a not common experience, but also you know what? We don't know the long-term effects of growing up with the kinds of technology we have because we literally haven't lived it. You yeah, know, so so I, I respect. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you, man. Awesome, I appreciate man. Well, thank you that. for letting me access and communicate with you through this podcast in a long-form way. I really have gotten to know you, and, and we didn't know each other at all before this. And right. uh, and I love those opportunities, man. I like making friendships in public because you and I are friends Likewise. now. Yes, and, sir. Uh, definitely. Awesome. And maybe we'll link on some stuff. And to wrap up the show, we definitely got to play a track from you. 
So uh, tell me quickly. Don't 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 dawdle on it. Think about something right now. What's a track that you want people to hear, and we'll drop it in for the for the recording. Cruiser uh, Meshi, Camel's Back. Camel's Back. All right, here it is. You're hearing it right now. Thanks, everybody. And uh, continue to support the show. Like, rate, favorite, whatever. Subscribe, all that shit. And have a great day, everybody. Peace. Thank you, man. That was awesome. Yes.